The Mariners are officially in on the four big shortstops set to hit free agency in the coming weeks. We'll be breaking down some of Scott's service, Justin Hollander, and Jerry DePoto's comments from yesterday's end-of-season press conference here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, October 20th, 2022. This is Titan Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. On the show today, we'll be going over some of the biggest notes from yesterday's end-of-season press conference for the Mariners, including the Mariners' official declaration that they're in on the free agent shortstop market, why Jesse Winker was away from the team during the postseason, and more. But first, we got to start with some fairly breaking news that came out about an hour or so ago. Most of you have probably already seen it. But Rawlings today announced the finalists for all the Gold Glove Awards, and the Mariners have one finalist at catcher. Cal Raleigh, yes, Big Dumper, has been nominated as one of the three finalists for the Gold Glove Award in the American League for catchers, along with Sean Murphy of the A's and Jose Trevino of the Yankees. So, Colby, what do you think about uh, old Big Dumper's uh, chances of uh, taking home some hardware here? Um, Pretty good, uh, but probably not going to happen, I would assume. Uh, well, I mean, I would assume that the Yankee is going to win it because the Yankees just win everything uh, when it comes to these big awards. Uh, Derek Jeter has a gold glove. So, yeah. Multiple, multiple, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the worst defensive shortstop in the Hall of Fame has gold gloves. So, Ooh. and it's not even that qualifier. One of the worst defensive shortstops of all time has multiple gold gloves because he's a Yankee. So, yeah, I'd probably say Trevino is, is probably the favorite, and Murphy's already won it once, so it's not going to be an easy, uh, you know, an easy hill mountain to climb for uh, Cal Raleigh. But uh, he was great. You know, he ranks very highly in the uh, in the framing metrics. He was, I think, first or second in, in the American League and caught stealing uh, throughout 27, 28 guys. Um, you know, it, it's just he was great at blocking the ball and and all that and. It doesn't hurt that he had an amazing offensive season because as much as we want to pretend that the uh, gold glove is all about defense, we know it's not. And I can tell you that just by pointing to Luisa Rice, who was nominated for first base uh, gold glove. And I think he only played 65 games there. So, yeah, offense matters when the gold glove conversation. And I think Raleigh might have had the best year out of any of them. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I know Trevino was an all-star, and Murphy's obviously very good, but I still think Cal was probably the best bat amongst them. But if I had to guess, I would probably say it goes to – I would probably say Cal finishes third, um, and it really has nothing to do with uh, the merit of his argument. It's just because I, I think one's a Yankee and the other one's already won a gold glove, so that's pretty much all that she wrote. Well, and also if you want to go by fan graphs – defensive war which mm, it's hit or miss for the most part uh jose trevino was number one in all of major league baseball uh with t- plus 29 cal yeah. was second but at plus 18 so that's a mm-hmm. pretty uh, steep cliff there uh, he was tied with jt real muto of the phillies sean murphy was all the way down at six with uh 15 jonah heim who wasn't nominated 
uh, actually finished ahead of Murphy by point one. But right. Yeah. So reputation. If um, if they're going by Fangraph's defensive war, which they're not, but if they're going by that, Raleigh would be second. Yeah, a few years ago they uh, they let the SIS whatever thing just basically hand out the awards yeah. for them. I don't think they're doing that again this year. I think it's it's back to like a, a boat of some kind. Uh, so I think they only did that for the COVID season. So, eh, you know, it is what it is. I don't care that much about gold gloves. It'd be cool if Cal won one. He'd be the first Mariner catcher to win one. Um, which, you know, Mariners don't have a super long history of like elite defensive catchers, but Dan Wilson never won one. Uh, when he retired, I don't know if it's still true, Dan Wilson had the highest fielding percentage any catcher in major league baseball history uh i don't oh, wow. know if that's still true yes um now granted catchers don't you know a pass ball i don't think is an error or anything like that so you know it's it's they don't throw mm-hmm. to bases that often so uh but yeah he was there and then zanino so raleigh is is uh definitely deserving to be here uh it's a bummer that the Eugenio suarez didn't get nominated i i feel like he's definitely uh deserving especially when you look at Ramon Urias, really, we're doing that. But then again, hey, Luis Urias was nominated at first base, and he didn't even play that much first base relative to to the rest of the candidates. So, yeah, Gold Glove Awards are probably the least valuable award they give out um, just because they're, they're hardly ever about defense. They're almost always about the bat. Uh, let's see here. So I'm trying to see if you're right about Dan Wilson. I don't think I put in the right settings in here for that so that'll be something that i'll look at later uh but yeah going back to what you were saying about uh what they were using during the COVID season that was the saber defensive index Uh, and looking at the defensive index the last time it was updated they've rarely updated it takes forever for them to update it the last time that they updated it was august 28th and uh trevino was number one in uh saber defensive index rating at a plus 11.1 adley rutschman was number two at plus seven and then Raleigh was number three at plus six point seven, so. Um, yeah. So he's definitely deserving to be nominated, and and like I don't like when I say he'll probably go to the Yankee, I don't mean that's because he doesn't deserve it. It's just that's just kind of how these awards go. If the Yankees nominated, yeah, they typically get it. Yeah. yeah so and then uh, you were talking about Ramon uh, Urias. He only played ninety eight games at third base this year, like. I mean, let's doing? be honest. The award's going to Chapman, anyways. But like, come on. Which is which is silly too, because he had like his worst defensive year. It was still a good year, but like relative mm-hmm. to Matt Chapman, he was not like <laughs> he was not a surefire like Gold Glove, even Platinum Glove like contender like he typically has been in the past. Like he was just he was fine this year. Made some good plays, made some highlights, all that stuff, but just not like the numbers, the defensive numbers that we come to expect from Matt Chapman. I feel like we spent way too long on the gold glove stuff. Yeah, well, uh, we mean, do, like we do have stuff to talk about from the press conferences, but I think all of it is like pretty quick. Uh, but there's obviously some stuff about the uh, the middle infield market. Uh, Jesse Winker, there's a little bit of an update. The Mariners given their side of the story on that front. Most of it just kind of dancing around the question, but I think there is a, a couple of interesting nuggets on that. Uh, and some other stuff on the uh, pitching, how they're going to approach pitching um, in the offseason. Uh, so we'll get into all that uh, real quick, though. 
I uh, just want to remind you that this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Roan. We all know that when you look good, you feel good, but sometimes looking good means putting on uncomfortable fitting clothes that don't breathe and limit your mobility. The dress shirt in particular was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and here's why. Firstly, mobility is everything. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way. Secondly, looking good is easy with Roan's styles. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. And thirdly, let's talk about Roan's odor-free tech. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I received a commuter shirt from Roan, and I got to tell you, it's one of the most comfortable things I've ever put on my body, and the commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash locked on and use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. It's time to find your corner office comfort. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listens. Colby, let's get into these comments from Justin Hollander, Scott Service, and Jerry Depoto, who held their end-of-season press conference yesterday at T-Mobile Park. Uh, and they talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, there's some injury news. There's uh, some talk on the uh, off-season approach, just some reflection on the year. Uh, but let's uh, let's start with Jesse Winker, actually, because this was something that we talked about a lot on yesterday's episode. Ryan Divish, of course, went across the uh, he did some radio hits, talked about Jesse Winker in a really negative light, uh, basically painting him as um, as being more or less lazy uh, this uh, during this season. And that that wore thin on teammates. And of course, on top of that, there were some, uh, you know, there was obviously um the uh, the note on him not being at uh, uh, um, for the uh, or he wasn't present for the uh, postseason for the Mariners at all for any of the games he was imp- apparently invited to game three of the ALDS wasn't there uh, but the uh, Mariners have, have clarified why that was Jesse was apparently in New York uh, getting a, a knee procedure done and is set to have a neck procedure done as well. Uh, and basically just said this is being blown out of proportion, that Jesse had been dealing with uh, especially the knee situation, and apparently that really was impacting him as the season went along, and it got worse as the season went along. And so that, going hand-in-hand with just his overall struggles at the plate and his overall frustrations, kind of led to everything that happened. And they seemed like they were pretty open to the idea of him coming back in 2023. But do you think that's just, you know protecting the player, protecting the relationship, not, you know, giving away too much information, or do you think that's actually a valid point here and that maybe this is being overblown a little bit? Nothing that Scott Service, Jerry Depoto, or Justin Hollander said yesterday matters at all. It doesn't. Uh, because you could tell me, oh, well, he was he was getting the knee operation in New York. That's why he wasn't at the playoff thing. Couldn't have waited three days to get the knee operation. Of course he could have. He didn't want to be there. That's why he wasn't there. It's that simple. Scott's expecting Scott Service to throw a player under the bus after, uh, you know, that that player had basically gotten thrown under the bus by by you know 
himself, and let's be honest, but Divish's reports kind of bring that out to light. He's not going to sit there and go like, well, yeah, you know, Divish nailed it. Like, Jesse's got a lot of things to work on, and he was just bad this year, and we don't like him anymore. He's not going to say that. So the only thing that was said yesterday that really carries any weight to me whatsoever is just the injury updates. I don't care about anything else. Jesse Winker was bad, and the Mariners aren't going to sit here and say he's bad because they're not going to do that. Why? Because the Mariners never throw their players under the bus, right? They don't do that. It's bad business to throw players under the bus unless they do something that is, you know, outside of the scope of baseball that is so terrible that you have no choice but to do that. So, uh, yeah, the, the whole like, oh, well, Jesse really wasn't with us because he was having the knee surgery. He could have done that at any time this offseason. If he had waited three days, it wouldn't have mattered. Jesse Winker wasn't in uniform as part of the taxi squad or whatever. Um, he wasn't on the line for introductions. He wasn't there because he didn't want to be. That's a fact, like period. There's no reason he had to get the knee done when he did. So let's just use common sense here. He wasn't there because he didn't want to be. Uh, do I believe Scott when he says, oh, yeah, no, we think Jesse could be a part of our plans in the future? Sure. Because we talked about that. That makes sense that there's a scenario where Jesse Winker does make sense coming back to the Mariners. So, uh, no, I, I think that's just protecting a player. Uh, I, I don't see any value to the to the idea that, you know, oh, no, he really stuck his neck out for Jesse Winker. No, he didn't. He just did what he would do with any player. So, no, I, I don't think I don't think uh, Divish made that up, which is more or less kind of what Scott was saying. Uh, Scott and Jerry and, and Justin is, well, we're not calling Divish a liar, but like he he doesn't have the whole story and, and they're not wrong. Divish doesn't have the whole story, but I still trust Ryan Divish on that front uh, without question. There There's an issue in the clubhouse with with Jesse Winker and, and that's not something that the Mariners can ignore. They can pretend to ignore it, but they're not going to. Yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder if, because uh, I would assume that whoever told Divish about this stuff, and maybe it's also just him using his eyes and his ears, right? But I would assume whoever maybe gave him uh, a little bit of a, a window into what's going on there and how the clubhouse feels about Jesse was a player. Um, but how much of that is just the player's own personal feelings? And how much of that is actually reflective of how the entire clubhouse feels towards Jesse? Um, so who knows? You know, at the end of the day, we're not there. We don't know. And we're never going to know. We're never going to know what the full story is we we with these you know situations um but i think yeah you know at the end of the day i think what scott service and and, and company were saying yesterday about jesse uh, in particular was just kind of protecting the player uh because like you said they're not going to throw guys under the bus that's what good teams do that's what respectful you know organizations do they don't air out dirty laundry to the public especially in those kinds of settings right not to mention if you go out and say yeah this guy's a clubhouse problem what are the odds anybody's going to trade for him Zero. That's true too, right? Right, and like that's the other thing, you know. Jerry saying like, you know, we think that Jesse's a great hitter and that he's going to be able to get back on track next year. Part of that is also, pro- you know, probably trying to sell it to, to other teams that are going to be, uh, or at least for him, or at least not giving the other teams the ammunition to be like, well, even you think he's a bad hitter now, like, yeah, that's it's just about protecting the player and protecting your your asset too, because as much as we don't want to think about players as assets, they are. Right. So, you know, at the end, you know, because we, we talked about it yesterday that, 
You know, you, you right now, as things stand, if you're going to trade Jesse Winker, you're probably not going to get anything that's really that valuable in return for him, and you're probably going to have to eat some of that $8.25 million that he's owed this year. So um, you got to try to protect that as much as possible if you know that you are more than likely going to be trading him this offseason. So I don't think really what, what they said at uh, in the end uh, matters too much. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, – Def- the the one thing to take away from that though is that there was a knee injury that was impacting them throughout the course of the year and then the next uh, neck thing started to crop up towards the end of the year and so that certainly uh, allows us to kind of understand at least a little bit of what's going on or what was going on with him this year and why he wasn't performing to uh to the peak of his potential. Uh, so some other injury notes. Uh, Andres Munoz is having a foot procedure done. Uh, this was apparently a thing that was uh, impacting him for a uh, good portion of the season. Uh, and because of this, they are uh, likely going to not, they're likely not going to ramp him up in spring training until a little bit later on into spring training, Jerry said. Uh, so he might get a late start once we're in spring training, and that shouldn't alarm anyone. It seems like he's still on track to be ready for the the regular season, but he just might get into the swing thing, uh, swing of things a little bit later. Um, but not really anything uh, of concern, it seems. Uh, Cal Raleigh, they confirmed he has a torn UCL in his thumb, has a piece of the bone chipped off. He's going to see a hand specialist. Uh, I think Cal right now is on vacation and doing stuff right now, though, and then he'll get all that taken care of, but I don't think there's anything that's impacting him. Uh, and then uh, J.P. Crawford was also dealing with a knee issue, uh, but the um, he wasn't one of the big injuries that, that Jerry talked about. Uh, he said anything else that he didn't mention was minor, and then later on he mentioned the knee issue for Crawford, so I assume that was minor. Uh, so speaking of JP, uh, that was kind of the big thing, uh, or JP was kind of involved in the big thing to uh, uh, or the big takeaway from the press conference that the uh, the Mariners more or less officially declared that they are going to be in on the big uh, free agents uh, at shortstop. Uh, but Jerry said ideally the plan is for them to add a shortstop uh, at a shortstop who is willing to move to second base because jp crawford is their shortstop now that's likely just him saying that to say that right just like you know jp's our guy because jp is the one that's there and they haven't made any decisions and they haven't actually you know gotten into negotiations as far as we know with any of these shortstops but should we read more into that colby is he doing the same thing as last year and that JP is just guaranteed the shortstop role? Because I don't think that should be the case at all. I don't think JP should be guaranteed that role whatsoever. Or is this just, you know, saying it for the sake of saying it? I hate this part of the off season. Ugh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he said, well, we ho- we'd hope one of these shortstops will play second. Who cares if he says that or if he doesn't say that? Who okay, cares? But like, if- but, but like last year, like it was a real thing. Like they were not willing to move J.P. Crawford off a shortstop. For if, it's a th- if it's a real thing this year, they should all be fired. Like it's that simple. You do not leave talent on the table for J.P. freaking Crawford. So yeah, if one of them's willing to move to second base, great. Now we can keep JP happy. And by the way, if it means that much to JP, you should trade him. It's a position, all right? It's shortstop versus second base. And by the way, you're going to have to pay one of these guys to be your shortstop as if he is your shortstop. So if you're paying for a second baseman like he's a shortstop, you're losing money. 
on that end of the deal. You just are. So I, I just, I don't care. He's ideally, yeah. Well, great, Jerry. What if Carlos Correa comes to you and says, yeah, I'll sign, but I'm only going to play shortstop. You really think Jerry DePoe is going to be like, well, oh, sorry, you have to play second base. Of course he's not. Of course he's not. And the fact that he didn't come out yesterday and just say, JP is our shortstop, end of story. He didn't, right? He left it open. He said, well, ideally you play second base, but you know, we'll see. Like that is a wishy-washy. That is a way of saying like, oh, well, we trust JP to be our shortstop. While acknowledging that he has to get better there. He knows that. He knows he has to get better up the middle. And again, I don't know what people are expecting. Like, yes, JP will be our second baseman. We're absolutely going to go get a better shortstop than JP Crawford. You don't know that. He doesn't know that, right? He doesn't have any idea if he's going to be able to land a shortstop better than JP Crawford. They're out there. And the fact that he's acknowledged that, yeah, there's some guys out there that we're really interested in. And he wouldn't say specifically, like, oh, and, and, you know, they're going to play second base. I said, ideally, they'd play second. But remember last year? Last year was Trevor Story. If he's signing here, it's to play second base, period. End of story. We knew that. He didn't say that this time. So I just, I don't care. The, the whole idea that like, oh, because he didn't 100% say J.P. Crawford has to play second base next year, it means that they're not going to go after one of the shortstops. He literally said the opposite. They're interested. They're in. And if one of those guys wants to play second or is willing to play second, they probably get the priority. Are any of those guys going to be willing to play second? I mean, maybe Trey Turner since he's already done it, but I think that's it. <laughs> I really don't see Xander Bogarts or Dansby Swanson or Carlos Correa going like, yeah, I'm sure I'll move to second base for J.P. Crawford. Come on. Like Crawford's not even that good. Let's just be, let's just call it what it is. J.P. Crawford is an above average defensive shortstop. He's a at best league average bat, and that's when everything's going well for him, which it wasn't for the last three months of the regular season. And maybe that's the knee issue. He had a pec issue that he was also dealing with, but JP Crawford's not a good hitter. He's average, right? He's pretty much an average player across the board. He's a good player. He's a useful player. He's a valuable player. He's not a player that Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander are going to look, you know, Carlos Correa dead in the eyes and say, well, you have to play second base or we're not going to give you this money, even though you're willing to sign a, a sign a, you know, a market value deal with us. And all we have to do is move JP over. And again, if JP has a problem with that, he's a bad teammate. He's not the captain you think he is if he has a problem with that. So I just, to me, I, I don't care about anything that those guys said yesterday. I don't. Do you think they're going to come out and say, oh, well, we plan on being very aggressive on Carlos Correa or Dansby Swanson? Of course they're not. Of course they're not. No, but I think I think saying that, hey, we are really interested in their market, I think that does mean something because you don't just publicly say that if that's not actually true. If you don't actually think that you can feasibly land one of those guys, I think that is important to say that because, you know, we know like even though that they're not supposed to be talking to agents and all that, let's be real about it. They are. They have talked about it. They have set those expectations because that's what good business is. And so in those preliminary discussions, I think that they have been, you know, uh, told that that, you know, these guys have interest in coming to Seattle, at least a couple of them. So they think that they have at least a decent chance to land one of them, because why uh, why else say that to the public? Why set expectations if you don't know? So and, and, and Jerry, I know Jerry sometimes gets into a whole thing of, you know, saying too much. And, you know, the Mariners fan base kind of uh, <laughs> dislikes that that side of Jerry because he does he is very open. He's a lot more open than than a lot of other general managers or, you know, baseball execs. But at the end of the day, like I think him saying that means that they actually have some information there that they are that they are in the running, that there is a legitimate chance that they can land one of those guys. 
I don't think Jerry, I think that the part that people are kind of freaking out about is the, like what he said, best, best case scenario, ideal scenario, whatever, whatever terminology he used is we get one of those shortstop who, who wants to play second. And I think people are looking at that and saying like, oh, so that is a public commitment to J.P. Crawford at shortstop. A, it's not. And B, who cares? <laughs> like you realize Jerry can say, oh yeah, we think J.P.'s our shortstop. And then sign, you know, Xander Bogarts and be like, well, you know, J.P.'s a great teammate. We think he'll be great at second base and, and Xander just helps us more at shortstop, blah, blah, blah. Like, of course he can change like change direction. It's not that hard. So I just, I don't like it when people take everything that's said at this type of press conference as gospel. And honestly, nothing was really said that surprises me. So yeah, I, I don't, these type of press conferences, they, they bug me because nothing gets said and yet everything gets uh, blown out of proportion. Everything gets, you know, its own segment, right? Is oh, we got to go over each and every one of the comments with a fine tooth comb and, and figure out what's real and what's not. Just assume none of it's real. Like what happened yesterday that changed anybody's thought about how the Mariners might approach the offseason? Anything? All right, let's just talk about the pitching here. Uh, so the the <laughs> he was asked he was asked about the pitching. Jesus, uh, he was asked about the pitching and. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, because obviously, and this is going to be something that you and I talk about a lot over the course of the offseason, the fact that they had just remarkable health in the, in the rotation. They only use like six or seven pitchers throughout the entire season as the phone is going mm -hmm. off. That's lovely. This show is going off the rails right now. So, yeah, so uh, the, uh, you know, he acknowledged the uh, Jerry specifically acknowledged the, um, you know, the remarkable health and all that and how that's likely not going to continue in 2023, that they're going to have to safeguard themselves. Uh, so firstly, he mentioned uh, Emerson Hancock, Taylor Dollard, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu as uh, part of the 2023 depth for the uh, for the starting rotation. So that's interesting uh, that Brian Wu was uh, mentioned along with those guys because he's someone that just started pitching this past season. Um, and then he also mentioned guys like Adam Mako, but more so in terms of like in the future down the road type of thing, not really right. next year. Uh, but he said that pitching is not their first focus this off season. Right. It's going to be about the lineup, which we knew we knew, right? Yeah. Like that, that makes the most sense. Pitching is their strength right now. They need to get better offensively. So that's going to fall on the back burner. I don't think that that necessarily rules out adding another you know, number five starter type to compete with Marco Gonzalez uh, or Chris Flexen if he sticks around. There is some thought that I, I I believe it was an athletic article. I saw something on Twitter that said that Flexen might actually be willing to opt in if the Mariners are willing to trade him to somewhere that he can actually compete for a starting job. So Right. I saw that. There was I didn't read the whole thing, but there was basically the the idea was that several playoff contenders apparently approached the Mariners eager to trade for Chris Flexen uh, yeah. this summer. And the Mariners, because they didn't really have the rotation depth, uh, decided they needed a safeguard. And so they kept Flexen. Um, but I think there was an idea that maybe you could actually pair Flexen and uh, in a you know good prospect and, and get a big upgrade in your lineup out of it is basically the idea. Yeah, so... You know, at the end of the day, like they need to 
do something with the rotation because they cannot just rely on all of their guys to stay healthy, especially at the top of the rotation. Like they need guys that can make spot starts. And, you know, Jerry said, like, there aren't going to be a lot of guys that are interested in coming here and being relievers and just kind of waiting for the opportunity to start. And that's true. Yep. Like that, they're not going to be able to sign, you know, Tyler and the equivalent of Tyler Anderson or whatever and just stash him in the bullpen until like an injury crops up. Like guys aren't going to be jumping for joy to do that uh, in free agency. But, um, you know, there's going to be obviously some minor league ads that are made. Uh, I'm just really interested to see how they kind of handle the whole Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen situation. If Flexen does opt in, is that automatic that they do trade him? Or do they, do they go to Flexen and say, hey, we're actually trying to trade Marco Gonzalez. And if we trade him, then you're probably going to be our number five, at least to start the season. Which... Uh, <laughs> I like, hope they do better. <laughs> yeah, I, I really hope that they do better than Marco or, or, or Flexen. You know, the, the Marco situation is going to be really interesting because he's going to start to make a little bit of money now that he's in that part of his contract uh, extension. Um, right. And so they might need to eat a little bit of that in order to trade him. They're probably not going to get something really valuable for him. But if they don't foresee him as, as someone that can improve and get out of this little funk that he's been in the last couple of years – uh, and they don't think that he can give them any value out of the bullpen, then he needs to go, right? Like, because yeah. they're not going, they're not going to just waste a roster spot on Marco Gonzalez. They're not going to do that with the position that they're in right now. No. And with the upside of guys like Emerson Hancock, Taylor Dollar, Bryce Miller, etc., like they're going to, they're probably going to want to prefer, or they're probably going to prefer to give those guys opportunities over someone like Marco. Because I mean, look what George Kirby did did for you this year. Look what Logan Gilbert's been able to do for you right out of the gate. Like. I mean, <laughs> expecting that from any of those other guys is, yeah. is a lot. But um, spe- Hancock's just—I I feel like there's like this idea that Hancock is just gonna like explode onto the scene like Kirby and uh, and Gilbert kind of did. But I don't think he's that guy, at least not yet. Um, things could change. You know, it's a long way to spring training, and, and we'll certainly see him in spring training. Um, did Did you find it interesting at all that he didn't mention, or at least I didn't hear him mention Matt Brash as possibly being a so he was asked start. about Did it. Did he? He was asked about it. Uh, so he said that ideally he just, he well, he doesn't really think that there's going to be a path for him to start right now as things currently stand. But if they, he said that if we move away pitching pieces, that that could right. be an option for him. But he thinks that Matt really likes being, coming out of the bullpen. And he talked about how he had a similar discussion with Edwin Diaz. And that, yeah, you know, it, it just I, seems like it might be for the best for, for Matt to pitch out of the bullpen. Sure. I just kind of wonder if, uh, if that's not like a precursor to be like, we might move him. Like, you know what I mean? Because the bullpen's in really good shape. And obviously, Brash is, is a big part of that. And he would be going forward as well. But the fact that you're like not even considering, like, you're not even telling him, like, hey, stretch yourself out. You never know. You might be a starter. For us again, I to me that means that they might be going around shopping Matt Brash as like a high leverage reliever, a young, controllable high leverage reliever, and they might be going like, he likes pitching out of the bullpen. He's great there, you know. He's got all these like uh, I don't know, and that's gonna be worth something, especially to contenders. High leverage arms are, are expensive. Uh, is did Brash do enough to be a high leverage arm? To be considered a high leverage arm, I think he maybe did. Right, I I, I like. 
he he pitched in a lot of big spots and he came through more times than not. So I don't know, just interesting to see what they decide to do with Brash. I think he's kind of one of those like surprise could get traded type of things. Maybe it's for a, a rotation arm. Uh, maybe it's for a corner outfielder or maybe Jerry Depoto and, and Scott Service and Justin Hollander. Maybe he's their next Edwin Diaz. There's nothing wrong with that. If they decide to keep Brash and, and kind of build the bullpen around him and Munoz, great. Like there, there's no wrong answer with what to do with Matt Brash. I just thought it was interesting that yeah. he more or less was like, no, Matt Brash isn't a starting pitcher. So Yeah, yeah. Like he didn't rule it out, but he kind of ruled it out. <laughs> so yeah. it's it a lot of GM speak. Like, yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of GM speak. Um he still controlled that uh that press conference, by the way, like Justin did speak, did. but like it was, it was Jerry show. It was Jerry show. Yeah. It, it's going to be like, that's it's just like when Jed Hoyer and, and Theo do a, did a press conference, right? Theo spoke and Jed mostly sat there and nodded like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's Jer- Jerry, is still very much in control of this organization, but uh, Justin is going to play a massive role and he already has. So yeah, uh, Justin is also nowhere near as open as Jerry is when it comes to to speaking about stuff. Justin is very much like rehearsed, just normal GM speak. Yeah. He's just like, he was asked about, you know, how do you want to build this offense? And like, you know, what's something like you think that you need to add to the offense or, and he's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. He was just like, you know, the thing that I learned from Jerry is that there isn't one way to build an offense. So, you know, (laughs) we're going to be open to everything. And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So I can fast forward through this part. Yeah. (laughs) Going to get in the room with our guys. We're going to grind it out, turn over every stone. Yeah. And try and get creative as a way to, you know, build out the rest of this offense. It's like, okay. And, you know, you know we're in on everything. We're in on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100 yards, 100 yards, 53 and a half by 53 and yeah. a whatever, blah, 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 yep. all that yep. nonsense. Yep. 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 No time yeah. to sleep. Yeah. That's why, <laughs> that's why I love these type of press conferences. I watch every single one, even the Pete Carroll ones. Like, yeah. Oh, man. You learn so much from these. I mean, we're fired uh, up. We're we're jacked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I think like synopsis, there were some injuries that are getting taken care of. Uh, We're open to adding one of the shortstops. We'd like them to be second baseman, but dot, dot, dot. Uh, Dot, dot. Yeah. Pitching probably going to look pretty similar to what we saw last year. And to wrap it all up, but we're open to everything. We're open to anything. So we're open to anything. Yeah, exactly. Typical press conference for the most part. Uh, yeah. Also, the bulk comment. Of course, the bulk of the roster is already oh, yeah. here. The yeah, 2023 roster is already here. Like, of course. Oh, the, the, like, if, if if they add six new players, right? If they keep, if they bring back 20 players, that's bulk. And you still added a significant amount of, like, there's still a significant amount of turnover there. <laughs> like, yeah. if you just add six new players. Like, 70, 75% is a bulk. Right, but twenty five percent turnover is still massive. It's still big. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, did people honestly think that the Mariners are going to bring in like eighteen new guys? Like, well, there were definitely people that were like, "Oh God, they're doing nothing. They're going to do nothing. They're already setting us up for that." <laughs> and that's why I hate these press conferences more than anything because those people find their way into our comment section on YouTube and they find our way into Twitter, uh, and we get to deal with them. And we're going to have to deal with you guys enough eventually anyways, because yeah, we'll get to that later. We're not announcing that today, but yeah, no, we're not announcing that. No, you are not. I am holding off on that as long as I possibly can. 
then you you better mute my mic because here it comes. <laughs> no, 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 but uh, yeah, no, that, that's yeah. the main reason I don't like these press conferences because everybody just like every little word he says is instead of if like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, yeah. it's, it's a federal investigation. It's like, that's, let's calm down. <laughs> let's yeah, see how the yeah, offseason yeah. plays out. We will react to every new, every bit of news, every rumor, every idea that you can possibly think of. We will react to it. I'm just not ready to freak out on October 20th because Jerry said if the shortstop is willing to move to second base, not he has to like, oh my God, we have to stop the presses for that. Please don't. Please JP don't. Crawford is guaranteed to be the 2023 starting <laughs> shortstop for the room. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're done with that. <laughs> Uh, okay. I know I, I know I said, yeah, I know, I, I know you made it very clear that you did not want to talk about this and I expected that it's on me. It's on me at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, I know that we said that, uh, or I know that I said we were going to do more awards, uh, but the press conference have happened after we recorded locked on. I didn't know that was going down yesterday. So that kind of changed things for us. Um, and so we'll get back to doing awards, uh, tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, for now, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast for Colby Patton. I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen, the Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league wide podcast locked on mlb on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow peace